All right, so this is the first time I've had to say this in eight weeks, and it feels good to say it. If y'all out there are ready, would you come on in? <laughs> ready to get started. I know there are, everyone's excited. It's nice to be able to uh, fellowship again and see one another, even if we are spread out a little more and still limited. It's nice. That's all right. I'll, I'll, I don't mind. It's been a while since we've seen each other. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Do not mind at all. I will not. I'll try not to. <clears throat> uh. <clears throat> well, it is uh, good to see everyone here. It's nice to have people in the auditorium besides just a, a couple here and there. It's been weird speaking to, a, uh, to an empty auditorium. Um, uh, just a real quick um, announcement for those who are in here and if anyone who's, who's coming um, for, the, for the worship service. We have communion cups out there, the, the, the pre-made ones. Uh, the grape juice in it's not bad. The, the little wafer is, is horrible, but you know, it's... Uh, it's what we're going to do, we have to do for now, just to, you know, we don't want to be passing plates and, and that kind of stuff, so just a temporary caution there. Um, and then also the contribution as well, it's going to be in the back, there's a box, lock box back there, uh, so you can, <clears throat> you can do that as well. Joey's listening to me on the live stream. In, in the <laughs> oh. But uh, so, so remember that, and then also just remember to keep the spacing here, we we're trying to skip some rows and and uh, have uh, about three seats in between each other. Those are about two feet wide, so do that. It's, it really is good to, to see people in the auditorium again and, and do that. So let's go to God in prayer, and then we'll get started into uh, our class here. Dear God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the many blessings you give us. And Lord, we just thank you for the freedom and the opportunity we have to come and, and worship you, to, to later on sing praises to your name and just learn, about, learn from your word and use what we we hear and, and, and see and, and learn to take it out in the world and bring others to you, Lord. I I'm, thank you for that we are able to start worshiping back inside the, the building again uh, to gather. And I just, we look forward to the time where we can get back to, to full fellowship and full worship inside the building, Lord. And just thank you for everything you do for us. We ask that you continue to please be with those who are sick, who are suffering from, from any of this, and ask them to, that they get over it quickly, recover quickly, and we can get back to a uh, somewhat normal way of life, Lord. We just thank you for everything you do for us. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. <clears throat> I'll say, so So, if you haven't been following us online, now we are in a uh, series, and this is uh, the second to last one. I thought it might be the last week, but this one stretched out a little longer than I thought it would, So, and I didn't want to try to cram both of these into into one week. So we're going to do... Two more weeks of this, and it's the a day in the life. And what we've been looking at, real quick to review, is we've been looking at you know the day in the life of just everyday people uh, and, and and normal people, people who go to church. Just just kind of look at things from people's different point of view and aspect. And two of the things we looked at, we kind of looked at uh, for the first two weeks, the unchurched, you know what it, what it might be like for them, uh, some of the things they experience, and and, and the idea was to use the term empathy and to, to put ourselves in their shoes, 
not just feel a sympathy for them, but empathy to actually try to feel what they feel, to experience what they experience, and, and so we can then help them out in a, in a better way. And then we actually, from the, the next two weeks, we went into looking at things from, from a Christian perspective, you know, growing up in the church, or maybe coming up or, or being part of the church, and some of the things sometimes we can experience, or, or things that can happen, and look at the different outcomes of how different situations work based on how we acted as Christians. And this week, what we're going to do is, we're, or the next two weeks, we're going to spend two weeks looking at. We were cha- I'm changing the wording a little bit because I think these are two of the more important areas um, because Jesus talked about it a lot. And, and the first subject uh, of self righteousness or the, of the Pharisees was probably the one he came down harshest on. If you look at him in the Bible when he when he either rebuked someone or, or came down hard on someone. Almost every single time, if it was not his own apostles, it was the Christian leaders, the church leaders of the time, and he came down very hard on them, and we're going to look at some of that. And it was because of how their attitude and the things that they taught and did affected the, the, the church or, or the, the, the religion of the time, his people at the time, <clears throat> and how it could have a negative impact on it. So this week we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna start with looking at self-righteousness, and, and how that can come across, and, and the warnings around it. And then we're going to look at, next week, we're going to look at things from uh, a humble or, or from humility uh, side of things uh, with, with our daily lives and, and the church itself. And so I, I want to get uh, go through that. Now, the one thing I, I want you to, as we go through this, because sometimes I know like I can hit pretty hard on, on maybe the negative stuff, and, and then we turn to the positive, and, and I, my, that's not my intention to be extremely harsh or extremely negative but I do think what we're talking about is very serious because it can have an internal eternal impact on on people and so I don't I doesn't need to be well we shouldn't be negative but I don't want it to come across as me just being negative and me just attacking things but I want you to also look at it from the when we flip it and look at the positive side and and the positive outcome of things and and what they can be so the first definition we're going to look at today is self-righteousness and and the dictionary kind of puts it uh, in this term. It's a feeling or display, usually smug, of moral superiority derived from a sense that one's beliefs, actions, or affiliations are of greater virtue than of those of the average person. Self-righteous individuals are often intolerant of the, of the opinions and behaviors of others. And we're going to look at a biblical definition of this, but we, we can sometimes run this same route of bringing self-righteousness in our life. And this is the thing is, you know, we're not going to always act this way. We don't always, you know, but we can't allow it to, to slip into our, our, our daily lives and our attitudes. And, you know, I, I'll catch myself driving down the road or, or, or going somewhere and I see something and sometimes those thoughts will pop in my head of, of well, I can't believe that person's like that. Right, you know? and, and so, you, you know, it's like you, for a little while, it's like, oh, I'm better than that person. And, and we've got to be careful when, you know, how we, approach this this subject and our attitudes around it. The next one's humility. Humility is the quality of being humble. Uh, the dictionary de- definition basically um, puts it as a, a low self-regard or a sense of unworthiness. I, I think from a Christian aspect, I, I don't think it's a, a low self-regard in, in that we think horrible of ourselves. But it, but it is from uh, I think a, a sense it is a sense of unworthiness right because from a Christian perspective 
in our, in our, if we're humble and we admit to the fact, we are not worthy of what we've received from Christ. And so we need to make sure that we, we remember that in, in, in our daily walks. And we'll look at that next week. We'll, we'll dive into that a little bit more next week. But this week, I want to focus on two areas. I put two churches, two Christians, but actually it's two areas. Is the church as a whole and Christians as a whole from a self-righteous or humble standpoint. Like I said, we're going to look at the self-righteous side this week or the humble side next week. And like I said, you know, I'm not doing this to, to start out or be negative, but I, I think this, if you look at how hard Jesus comes down on, on some of these topics, I think it's an important that we study and do a lot of self-reflection and make sure that we do not, even if it's on, on accident. And that's the one thing I'll say around this is, People, I don't think, a lot of times are self-righteous or, or haughty on purpose, right? It's not like I'm going to go out today and I'm going to, you know, I am better than everyone. I, I, you know. Now, there are some people who are that way. I've met people like that. But I think sometimes we allow this, this to, to kind of just slide in or slip into our lives. As especially, uh, I would say, especially those of us who are Christians who, who are raised in the church and, and, and never really experienced what it would be to maybe be outside the church and, and, and live a different lifestyle. So I think sometimes this can, that self-righteous attitude a little bit uh, can, can come in easy. So I want us to look at this, and, and the, the one thing I want us to do, all of us, if you're online or in here, one of the things I want you to do as you go this, look at these examples and see if they apply to you. Say, hey, you know, do I do this, or have I ever done this? You know, do I get caught up in this sometimes? Because I think, you know, hopefully as we go through this, not all of these apply to you. Uh, if they do, then... <laughs> there's time for some serious reflection. But I think one or two of these are going to connect. And, and that, that's my thing is because sometimes I think, and, and this can be a, part, a side of a self-righteous attitude, is sometimes I think we listen to these lessons and we, we go back and watch them and, and, and we'll be like, man, that, that was really good. You, you know, you really, we needed to hear that. But a lot of times it's like, I didn't really need to hear it. Other people around me needed to hear it. You know, I, I, that wasn't for me, those, those examples. And I think we need to make sure we're, we're careful there and we make sure that we apply these, these teachings and these verses to ourselves and say, hey, do I do this? Is this something that I get caught up in and, and that I do? And, and there's nothing wrong with that and it's something we need to do on a regular basis. So I'm going to go to th two sets of scriptures here and the second one's uh, pretty long, but I want to read them all because I think it's important and then we're going to hit different points on each one as we go through it. The first set of scripture is Luke 18, 9 through 14. Take a drink of water real quick. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scored everyone else. And I'll let everyone know, I'm reading from the, the New Living Translation, and there's a, there's a reason I, I've kind of, I do that especially with teaching, is because it kind of simplifies a little bit um, some of the, what it, the verses, and, and it, explains them a little bit better, then I don't have to go back and, and do a little bit, so especially with these. So if it, hopefully it's not too hard to, to follow along if you're not using that. So start of, then Jesus told the story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. They still are. <laughs> yeah. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like this, that tax collector. 
I fast twice a week and give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at, his, at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, the sinner, not the Pharisee, return home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Pay attention to that last part of that verse there. And then we go to Matthew 25, and this is long. Verses 1, I'm sorry, Matthew 23, verses 1 through 36. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, and pay attention, so he, he's about to just come down hard on a group of religious leaders in a public space, and what he says about them in this, this chapter just wasn't done in that time, especially to the religious leaders of the time. So pay attention to this. It'd be like someone coming in here, getting up in the pulpit, and, and, and basically giving this 36-verse uh, um, sermon to us, and most of us would probably be highly offended if, if this was said to us. But, but pay attention to these things. Then Jesus said to the crowd and to his disciples, the teachers of, of religious law, the Pharisees, are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but do not follow their example, for they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with un, unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. On their arms they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scriptures, verses inside, and they wear robes with extra long tassels. And they love to sit at the head table at banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues. They love to, re to receive respect Full greetings as they walk in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi. Don't let anyone call you rabbi, for you have only one teacher, and all of you are equal as brothers and sisters. And don't address anyone here on earth as father, for only God in heaven is your father. And don't let anyone call you teacher, for you have only one teacher, the Messiah. The greatest among you, and I highlighted this on purpose, the greatest among you must be a servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. We just read that a minute ago. What sorrow awaits you teachers or religious, of religious law and, and you Pharisees? Hypocrites, for you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves, and you don't let others enter either. Do we ever see that? What sorrows await you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you cross land and sea to make one convert, and then you turn that person in twice the, into twice the child of hell you yourselves are. Blind guides, what sorrow awaits you, for you say that it means nothing to swear by the God's temple, but that is the binding to swear by the gold in the temple. Blind fools, what, which is more important, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? And you say to swear by the altar is not, is not binding, but to swear by the gifts of the altar is binding. How, much, how blind, for which is more important, the gift on the altar or the altar that makes the gift sacred? When you swear by the altar, you are swearing by it and by everything on it. And when you swear by the temple, you are swearing by it and by God who lives in it. And when you swear by heaven, you are swearing by the throne of God and by God who sits on that throne. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the most important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect 
the more important things. Blind guides, you strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you swallow a camel. Camel. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean as too. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Honorably, you look like religious people, but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build tombs for the prophets your ancestors killed, and you decorate the monuments of the godly people your ancestors destroyed. But then you say, if we had lived in those days of our ancestors, we would never have joined them in killing the prophets. But in saying that, you testify against yourselves that you are indeed the descendants of those who murdered the prophets, Go ahead and finish what your ancestors started. Snakes, sons of vipers, how will you escape the judgment of hell? Therefore I am sending you prophets, wise men, and teachers of religious law, but you will kill some by crucifixion, and you will flog others with whips in your synagogues, chasing them from city to city. As a result, you will be held responsible for the murder of all godly people of all time, from the murder of righteous Abel to the murder of Zechariah, the son of, I'm not going to try to pronounce that, whom you killed in the temple between the sanctuary and the altar, I tell you the truth, the judgment will fall on this very generation. Now how would you feel if Jesus came in and gave you this 36 verse sermon? Think, huh? <laughs> that would be hard, right? They eventually kill him, just like they, he talks about in there. But that's hard. I mean, that was for this wasn't for the sinful people, the tax collectors of the day. This was for the religious leaders of the time. And it was because of the main thing was their self-righteousness. They had put themselves up on a pedestal, made themselves better than everyone else, instructed everyone to do the things of the law that they themselves didn't even keep. And, and, and one of my favorite things is, is basically what I, one of the verses I like is that they would go and try to convert someone and turn him. He says, twice the son of, son of hell that, that, that they were. And so I think the reason he comes down on this is because this is very important because it is sometimes easy for us to get caught up in some of, our, I guess, what we would consider our own righteousness, right? To, to, to see, oh, well, look what, we, you know, look what we've accomplished, look what we've done. And we've got to be careful that, to know that everything that we have here, everything is from, from Jesus himself. Troy, were you going to say something? When you look at it like that, and like I said, they were doing, you know, everything according to the law, like Jesus said, but then, you know, they weren't really putting into practice, you know, and and you got to be real careful with that because uh, people, even though they've had no religious upbringing at all, that's going to push them if they come across somebody that, that like that, it's going to push them further away, you know, from the church or, or from them being, you know, converted. And and, um, it's, it, and, it's, and it's real easy to be like that. It is. To get like that. Especially, you know, you, you know, you've been brought up in the church, so to speak, and you can just about spit out book, chapter, and verse. Sometimes that comes across 
real harsh to somebody yep. that don't really, that, that don't know. Never experienced you know? it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So, go ahead. Along that line, one of the reasons that Jesus had such an appeal to the masses, especially among the Jews when he came to earth, is because for years the Jews had lived under what you just read yep. with these self-righteous religious leaders, and here comes a man that is humble and a servant and associates with sinners and, and you know, blesses them. And if that wasn't a contrast, it never was. Yep. And he was humble. And this is where I want to make sure us as, as, as Christians and us as a, a churches and, and, and a group of, of people that we don't get into that same. Because I think sometimes we've gotten into that same, maybe not like this, what, what is described here, but some, maybe some of that same flow of we've kind of turned inward a little bit. We're, we're kind of focused on, uh, on the Christianity and, and those who are Christians. And, and we've kind of forgotten and we, we, we focus real heavily on, on the rules and the things that we're supposed to do on a regular basis. But then we've kind of forgotten some of the more greater commands, the more important things like he talks about in here that we're supposed to be out there doing. You know, not forsaking those. It's important to do that. But there's stuff out there that is a lot more important that we need to be focused on. So I got six things. I hope I can get through them, uh, through them all. But here's six things that I, I've tried to identify in, in these verses that, that kind of identify self-righteous uh, Christians or churches. The first is that they trust in themselves. If you look at uh, the beginning of Luke 8 9, it says, Then Jesus told the story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Right? They were confident in themselves. It wasn't God or Jesus. It, it, they, you know, they, wanted things to, they wanted themselves to look good. And, and there's a danger in us becoming closed minded. I, I think as you become closed minded, then you become arrogant. And then when anyone says something or, or presents something to you that may be a little different, then you won't listen to it at all and you just completely reject it. I'm not saying that we, you know, as some of the saints have become so open-minded our brains fall out, but, but you, you need to be open and listen to people and, and their experiences. And I'll, I'll give you an example. I was having a conversation with some, some and, and these were people who were raised in, the, in, in part, uh, a large group of the Church of Christ. And one of the things that they, they put out there was that the things that the, was, was around in the first century church. And one thing they put in there, in quotes, was that the name Church of Christ was in the first century A.D. And I, and, and I, I asked them to explain this to me a little bit and to clarify what they meant. And they're like, well, the term Church of Christ has been around since 30-some A.D. I'm like, well, no, actually it hasn't. <laughs> I said, now, and I've had them clarify a little bit, and they were talking about the English term Church of Christ. And I said, no, actually, if you look, and I, gave, I explained to them the Greek, and I explained to them, you know, what it actually would have been more like. They were either called the way, or it was more of a movement or a congregation or a group of people moving in a direction. And I was literally told that I can speak as, and, and talk about the meaning of words in the Greek as much as I want to, but that basically I was being a tool of Satan and that the Church of Christ term was around in 32 AD. At that point, I just walked away from the conversation because I knew I was going to... But they were so close-minded to any other interpretation and actually understanding the history of, of the terms that in the English terms that come around and how that worked, 
that they wouldn't even open to that simple truth. I mean, that, that, that is facts. I mean, there was no one in Jesus' time running around saying the English term Church of Christ. Right? But, the, uh, you know, and so the, I want to make sure that we don't get to that, to that point that if anyone comes to us with a different opinion or, or maybe a different type of, you know, look on things or, or view of, of really analyzing stuff, that we don't just immediately shut them down and, and do it. And we can do this in other ways too, you know. We've got to make sure that we do not trust in our own self-righteousness or our own righteousness. Because if we do that, we will get way off track. Because they scorn anyone else yeah. that don't agree with yep. it, you know. Yep. <laughs> yep. So we've got to make sure that we do not, you know, uh, you know we can have discussions, right? The biblical, the good, the biblical debate, you know, that's a healthy. That is a healthy thing to have. But if we just shut down and see, if you have a different opinion than me, I'm shutting you down immediately, you can't talk or, or you're crazy or, you know, whatever, then this, this will harm the church a great deal. So we need to make sure that we don't do that. The second one, the self-righteous church or Christian, they are focused on others, right? They're not focused on themselves and how to improve themselves and how to be better. A lot of times they'll run around criticizing other people or other churches or, you know, talking about how these people over here do this and they shouldn't be doing this. And, I mean, one of the things I've done over the last couple weeks is so many, since so many churches have come online, I've started going around and listening to a lot of just different churches. I'm in there, one from a technical aspect, I like to see the different ways people do things from, from live streaming. But also I just wanted to kind of get an idea of their messages. And some of them... I mean, I, there was one I listened to, and it bashed every single denomination out there in one lesson. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, if I am reading this or listening to this, and I'm from another denomination, and I listen to this, I'm not going to step foot in your church. I'm not going to have anything to do with you. And it was, a, it was this, this continual focus on a lot of times I see I was on other people. And I like what Matthew 7 says about this. Verses 1 through 5, do not judge others and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard for you, uh, of you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. That should scare a lot of people. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? And so you need to visualize this because the, the, the ridiculousness of this is someone has a piece of dust, a speck of dust or dirt in their eye, in the friend's eye, and you have a guy literally with a log. I used an illustration one time. It showed a guy with a log sticking out of his head. You know, and so you've got to think about it. You've got a guy with a log sticking out of his head trying to help someone who's got a little bit of dirt in their eye over here. And, and this is what you get into whenever you do not focus on yourself. I'm not saying, and we talk with the Bible, talk about James 5.19 talks about that, that you know, if someone's wondering, we need to bring it back. We need to uplift and, and be there for our brothers. But our main focus needs to be our walk with Christ and not others and how they're doing. You know, there's, again, there's nothing wrong with, with having conversation, with, with having debate. But when you get out there and, and, and you go out and you say, well, everyone else is wrong and we're the only ones that are right, you, you're not helping yourself. <laughs> yeah. 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 I might get. Order, so yep. speak, I'm, I might get. In, yep. I might get in trouble with this one, but we'll we'll see. That's that's why I do not like the term that a lot of us use, defending the faith. 
right? Because Jesus doesn't need defending, right? He, uh, to me, he defends himself. But we, uh, we've focused on so much of, well, we need to defend the faith that we've spent so much time in a defensive standpoint that we're not really out there, you know, you can't have, you know, in a sports term, you can't have 100% defense and no offense, right? And so sometimes I think we've done that. We've kind of gotten to that defensive, we, well, we need to defend everything that we believe, and we really don't, right? We can go out and we can talk about it, and we can have conversations about it, and we can spread that message, and, and the, the God, God's pretty good at defending himself, I think. Right? I mean, I, I think there is things that we need to discuss and have conversations about. But if our mindset is a defensive mindset, then no matter that what comes at you, you're going to be pushing away. So again, back to this. I, I, we, we need to, one, we need to focus. And this is why I, one of the things I, I really like to push on, and I know sometimes people think it's, I, I like to look at the negative side of things, and that's not what I'm trying to do. But I, I, I think serious self-reflection and, and from a personal standpoint, an organizational standpoint, a church standpoint is very important. Because if you do not have continual self-reflection, we call it reviews, you know, business reviews in the, in the business world of how you're doing, how things are going, then you will, you know, if you don't review those things, then you will think everything is fine, and then one day you're going to wake up and realize that, well, my company's going bankrupt, or, you know, the, the church is going moral or spiritually bankrupt, or, or these type of things. Go ahead. <laughs> you want to go out and talk to people? Oh no, we can't do that. That's we, that's crazy. You don't want to go do a knocking. You don't want to do that. Oh, we need to get out there. And, let's get out there and be with people. Let's show the people that this is Jesus' is love. And it's like, oh no, we can't do that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we can. Yeah. We should. It's a good thing. What I have a hard time is is whenever I start talking to people about Jesus Christ, they automatically think that I'm judging them. Yeah. And and. and I think sometimes that is a natural thing because you, you do start talking to people about about Christ and, and about who he is, and that immediately insinuates that, well, that person's not living the way they should be, right? And so I think no matter, there's going to be some people, no matter how we approach it, they're, they're going to be, at first, not very, there's never going to be a time, hardly ever, have I ever seen someone walk up and be like, let me tell you about Jesus, you need to get your life right, you're not living right. You know, not obviously saying it that way, but even if you say it in a very loving way, that they're like, "Oh man, I need to do that. Let's go," right? You know, they're they're going to be every you know for them. If you if anyone is being coming up to and told, "Well, you, you're not doing something right, or you're not living the right way," it's hard as a human being to hear that. You know, even though sometimes we know deep down, I'm guilty of this. You know, Hel- well, Helen's not in here; she'll probably say Amen when I say this. But you know, I'm guilty of. I'll be doing something, I know it's, I shouldn't be doing it, or I'll, I'll think something or I'll say something, and, and Helen will be like, well, you shouldn't say that, you shouldn't do that. And I'll be like, well, I, no, I was justified, I, I was right. I was, and it would take me a good 10 minutes to get to the point of, okay, yeah, you're right, I shouldn't have done that. You know? <laughs> so I think we all do that, and so I think it's the same thing around you know, someone who's, if when you're trying to convert people, and that's why this, this, these blatant billboards and this, this in-your-face type Christianity where it's like, you know, well, this is wrong. You're going to hell for this, or you never works. You're not going to. Come, no one's driving down the interstate and sees a billboard that says so and so is an abomination, 
and that person think, wow, wow, I need to get right. Right? And so we're, we're, we've got to do it in a, in a love, like Steve said, in a loving way. We've got to, you know, it may take you a year of just being with someone, talking to someone, being their friend, showing them how you live and how you are, that you're not judging them. You're not, you know, the, yep. And, and, and so you never know. Sometimes it may take, sometimes it may take ten, 10 years, you know. So. That's why Paul says, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. We don't beat them over the head, we yeah. persuade them. Yep. He says later on to Timothy that we are to teach with all long-suffering and patience. Yeah. Oh, it yep. takes a while sometimes. Yep. Well, I mean, I've actually talked to this friend, these friends of mine, and both of them says, well, I've been baptized. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they tell me to do. And I'm like, and you know who I'm talking about. And then, but then there's further it, teaching. Yep. Yeah. You know, you can do the, but I mean, and a lot of people think that's, you know, well, I went to church at one time and I got baptized and I'm good. Right. Yeah. And, and that's where we need to patiently teach. Yep. We've got to patiently right. teach so others. I, mean, and, you know, and I, I do talk. It's easier to talk to her than it is to mm-hmm. them. But, but we're not going to reach that person by saying, well, then you just go to hell. <laughs> right. no, and I haven't said that. Yeah. You know, and I, I try to talk to them and I try to use me as an example. <laughs> but you know when I try to use that with them, but it 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 it's a very long. It is it is a long hard, and you know what? And and this is a harsh reality that you may never change their mind. You know, and and that's one of the but that's one of the things we don't give up on. We just continue to work with people, and if if we show them that we're not perfect, we show them that you know. Look, the only difference between me and you is I've given my life to Christ. And I've tried to, to live a different way, right? And, and that's the only thing, you know. I'm no better than you, you know. I, I I've just made us. I've just brought Christ into my life, and that's the only difference, right? And, and I think if we approach it in, in that in that terms and and, the, and those things, then then maybe people will, will see that. I think we've got to understand, and I think we forget this sometimes. When we're studying with people about God and Jesus, we are literally entering into a warfare. We're in battle with Satan. And he's going to do his best to, you know, dissuade that person. So, so we need to understand that, y'all, and, and approach it with a lot of prayer and with that mindset. And, and it's really hard because of, really, really hard because of the husband. <laughs> I, I mean, I just, you know. yeah. Well, it's never, I, I don't think it's ever easy. Right. I don't think it's ever he easy. He does like me, but she's told me, she says, he's the only person, I mean, you're the only person he's really ever liked. So I've gotten past that. <laughs> but it's just getting any further, you know. But I try to talk to them every chance I get, but they're not real easy. All you can do is keep on pushing. I think keep one on. of the best things you can do when trying to help convert somebody is show them that, like, look, we are the, we are on the same level. Like, I'm not better than you because I'm a Christian. Because even Jesus ate with the with the uh, people who were the tax collectors and people who the stopped yep. the spies. And if he didn't do that and just ate with the high leaders and stuff like that, they would have said, oh, well, we're not going to focus on that. We're not going to worry about him because he thinks he's better than us. If we show them that we're the same and even maybe like below them, they'll be willing to listen to us because they don't because they don't see us with that judgment mentality. Right, right. I wonder who I gets have, her, I mean, she gets her intelligence from. <laughs> she's good people. That's what, she's good people. 
you're not going to get your six. <laughs> well, we'll see. That's right. So number three um, is looking down, on, uh, looks down on others, right? So we, we, look, we see that in Luke 18, 11. It says, The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed that prayer. I thank God that I'm not like other people, the cheaters, the sinners, the adulterers. I'm certainly not like the tax collector. And we will say, well, we wouldn't ever see this in a church, from a church or from a Christian. And we know that's not true, right? I, I mean, I've, I've heard people get up and say prayers. Uh, you know, it's like, well, you know, let's let, uh, we're basically not exactly like this, but basically throwing some of the other things in there. It's like, well, you know, we need to get rid of this and this and this and this. And then I understand where they're coming from, but, you know, no matter what, you know, I like how he puts sinners in there, the Pharisee, as if he wasn't a sinner himself, right? And so we've got to be careful that as Christians, we don't start to get up here on our, on our, higher, our higher level and, and start kind of looking down and falling into the trap of, well, because I'm a Christian and because I'm going to heaven, you know, I'm a little bit better than this person out here who, who's not. We've, we've got to be careful uh, around that. None of us are perfect. They don't practice what they preach. And, and I think this is one of my, my most irritating ones. Um, uh, it, it, it's, I, it's, I don't know, it's, for some reason it's always irritating me as someone who, who preaches one thing and then, and then does another. But if we look at Matthew 23, 1 through 4, I like this one. Then Jesus said to the crowds and the disciples, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but do not follow their example, for they do not practice what they, they preach. And it goes on to talk about how they crush people. You know, I've, I can't tell you how many times you, know, you, you listen to a sermon or you see someone speaking or, or you see someone, you know, and I, I've been guilty of this one myself. Uh, I won't go into the details of this one. But, you know, I remember one time getting on to a person for doing something that they were doing, and then I turned around and did the exact same thing and, and got caught in it, you know. And you feel like an idiot, you know, and, and it, it kind of humble you. But so many times we get caught up in this and, and doing these, these type of things. So we've got, you know, we're not perfect, right? You know, we're going to preach against certain sins, and, and there are going to be times where, where we, you know, preach against something or teach against something or, or warn someone about something or, or try to put, you know, push against it, and then we're going to turn around and, and do the same thing. You know, we, we, we talk about lying with our kids, and then sometimes we'll turn around and lie. You know? <laughs> so it's, it's, it's those type of things that, that, you know, we're going to sin, but we can't blatantly be in trying to hold this moral authority over a bunch of people talking about how they shouldn't do these things and shouldn't be doing this stuff, and they have to do everything exactly the way they do, and then turn around and, and do against everything we just did. So, the number five. I'm kind of rushing through these just a little bit. They tend to be legalistic. And, and what I mean by that is, is they take the things, and we will look at this verse in Matthew 23, that aren't necessarily law, or, or, or commandments from God, or they may be, but then we, we turn them into being more important than what he's actually commanded us to do in a lot of, in a lot of senses. And so if you look at that, those verses in Matthew 23, 23, and 24, he says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest inco income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. And I think sometimes we get caught up in this, right? We get caught up in the, the, what I call the ritualistic things of, of church or of, or of worship. Not to say that they're not important, not to say we shouldn't do them, right? But a lot of times we have made what we do 
here in this building, not to say it's not important, but more important than actually going out into the world and bringing people in to worship and converting them to Christ. And that's where we have to be careful uh, uh, of these things. And you know, that's why he says, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. And I think the most important thing that God has commanded us to do as Christians is to go out and bring people into the church and make other Christians. And, I, and I, if you look at the studies, and this just isn't Church of Christ, this is every church out there from a religious standpoint, they've stopped doing that. I mean, if you look at people, the, the number of conversions, the people who talk to people about, about coming, I, I forget all the statistics. I had them in my head at one time, but they're very, very low. Very, very low. Not, okay, they're in the 60s or 70s. We're talking about single digits of people who are members of churches who actually go out and evangelize or try to convert someone. I, I want to say one number was like 2%, 2 to 5%. So I, I think that's why, you know, you talk about we come into the church and we, and we do all these things and we worship God and we try to align it the, exactly the way that we, we, we believe the Scripture says that we should, and that's important. But if we're not doing the more important things, and I, and I talked about the one verse where we're, we came, you know, the, the one guy was coming to give an offering to God, which was their worship at that time for the forgiveness of his sins. And, and, and God, or Jesus taught them, look, he says, I don't care if you've come, and, and in that day, this, these, some of these people would have traveled days to get to, to the temple to, to offer this sacrifice. He says, I don't care if you're about to give me the sacrifice. If you have something against your brother, then you need to go back and get that fixed first before you get, offer this sacrifice. Now, this was their worship. So he was telling that guy, okay, you know, you need to stop. You've waited in this long line. You need to turn around, spend three days going back, get that fixed, spend another three days coming, come and wait in this line again, and then do that. Right? So it's not that the worship or the, that, that their worship or our worship is not important, but there's, there's stuff out there that's a whole lot more important than what we do coming in here on Sunday morning. And, and again, I'm not saying, and that some of this has bothered me a little bit because and there's a reason I'm standing on this one, is because with everything that's happened with us not being able to come and, and gather like we are now, is you've seen so many people complain and, and get so mad because they're not able to come into the building and worship God. But you don't see any of those same people getting upset about the fact that they're not going out and actually converting anyone to bring them into the building. And so what's more important? Us coming in here to worship God in a, in a building? Or is it more important that we're out there talking to people about Jesus and trying to bring them to Christ? Which one's more important? Doing both. Yes. They're both important. Yeah. They're both important. And, that, and that's why I said that from the very beginning. They're both important. Which one's more important? Some people would disagree with that. Some people would, do, would say, well, they're both on the same level. But I, I think if you look at Jesus' teaching about this kind of stuff, you know, it is important. Us doing these acts of worship, these things are very important. I'm not taking away from them. But if we're going to follow what the Bible says, and, and you know, the very first one of the very first commandments he gives us is not to worship him, it's to go out and seek and save the lost. Not to say he didn't say to worship him, but what's more important? I think sometimes we focus on the lesser of the, the things that, that... No church. <laughs> no. Uh, the, the, you know, his apostles had to go out. That's what they did. They yep. had to go out and get people. And I mean, 
that's when the, yeah. I think you need to look at it this way. Do you think God wants you to bring him money, songs, or souls? Very good point. Which one is more important to him? I mean, yes, the money is important because we have to have it in order to reach those souls sometimes. The songs are important because we're praying him, but God would much rather have a song. I agree. I agree. That's a very good way of putting that. You could also look at this as the, we, we talked about this before, but with everything that's going on, is this God's call to the whole world? I, I wonder if, if this, and sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, no, okay. but I, I wonder if this is a way of God saying, you know what, y'all need to get out of your buildings. You know, and, and so, not, not, I mean, and again, I'm not saying that what we do in here is not important, but I, I think we've made this the most important that when it, I mean, because I, I've seen some reactions from some people from, you know, not being able to come in here on Sundays and Wednesdays, and it's like, man, I wish you had that same passion about going out and bringing people. You know, again, I understand the, the passion of wanting to be in here in, in fellowship. It's, it's awesome having, you know, even though we're not at full, having people in here. But we've got to see what's the more important. And I'm going to hit this last point. I got a minute, or I don't even have a minute. Is we fail to see our own shortcomings. And I, I want to read this real quick because I, this is important. But what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older son, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, no, I won't go. But later he changed his mind and went anyways. Then the father told the other son, you go. And he said, yes, I sure will. But he didn't go. Which of the two obeyed his father? They replied, the first. Then Jesus explained his meaning. I tell you the truth. Corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will go into the kingdom of heaven before you do. That was a harsh saying. For John the Baptist came, showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him, while tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him. And so we got to make sure that as we go back, that we, that we and this is why I focus on this, I think, a lot of times, is we need to make sure that we, we see and we reflect and we see those shortcomings. Because if we just travel through, like, oh, I'm doing everything perfect, I'm right, you know, we're, we, we got everything in our, our ducks in a row and everything's right, then we're, we're missing out because we're not. No one's perfect, no organization's perfect, nothing. The only person that was perfect was Jesus Christ himself. And we've got to continually be reflecting on that to make sure that we are following what he's teaching and what he says. So that's the end of that one. Next week we will look at what, the humble side of being a Christian, being a, being a humble Christian, being a humble church, and, and working to, to show that, that type of attitude to other people. Thank you.